Hey, it's Pastor Nick from Grace River Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you find today's message encouraging and transformative in your life. We'd love for you to join us online each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. by visiting graceriverva.com slash live. Now, enjoy the message. How many, um, especially this year, you've been coming into Easter, uh, or first of all, does it even feel like Easter? It's almost like it's just snuck up on us. But uh, so many pastors and church leaders that I talk to, the expectations vary. Uh, they're all excited about the fact that we can be in gathering, and depending on where you are, it, it's upwards of 100%, and every state's got a little bit different view of, of all that's taking place. But you know what? However we get, quote-unquote, limited, you're never really limited. God, God's doing things that we can't even imagine, even through all of COVID. I'm not taking the time this morning to go into all of that, but I'm telling you, when God's at work, you don't have to worry. When God's at work, powerful things happen. So there's been a lot of expectation as to what Easter would be like this year. And I keep telling the people I talk to, when they say, what do you think Easter's going to be like this year? And I'm like, the same. He's risen. Nothing's changed. You know, it's going to be, well, I mean, how many people do you think you're going to have? It, it's not really that important to me because whoever we have, I hope they're going to take it with them. Because Easter has not changed. You know, we do celebrate this every week. As a matter of fact, when you look back at the New Testament church, when, when Jesus was crucified on that Friday... That Passover. He was buried in the tomb, and on that Sunday morning, as, as Pastor Nick read about, <clears throat> on that first Easter, after his resurrection, and then he was walking with up to 40 days with so many of the believers and his disciples. After his ascension, they met on the first day of each week, Sunday, to basically wait for his return. That was the expectation. Because when they met to worship him, it was fresh on their minds that Jesus had said, I'll be back. So they went and waited, week after week after week. And I told the praise team and other leaders before service this morning, how many have been raised in a church that you're always being taught the soon return of Jesus Christ? Okay, one person, two people. Okay, whenever I raise my hand, you're more than welcome to raise your hand. <clears throat> Here's, here's the thing, I'm 58, and there's been a lot of times in my life where I'm like, okay, Lord, I've been hearing this for a long time. It's okay if you come. And somebody jokingly in the cafe said, well, he's planning on you coming first <laughs> before he comes. I don't know if there's a plan, but my point is, <laughs> we've been hearing it a long time, but do you still believe it? Do you still really believe it? Do you, is it just something you've heard about preached? Or is it something that you've ground, grounded your faith in? Because for two centuries they practiced that. For 200 years. And by the third century, now the New Testament church has moved to Rome. Constantine has made it a state religion. And as Christianity begins to spread throughout the world, anywhere they go and begin to make disciples whatever their pagan religions were, they just sort of Christianized them, okay? They just, instead of trying to tell them to drop everything, they just, they just change things. And instead of following demons, they get them to follow Jesus. And they start celebrating in different ways. So Easter begins to be this thing that is still celebrated around Passover, but Constantine makes it the first full moon after spring equinox. Why? Because it's also a big celebration of fertility. It's a big celebration of new beginnings. Spring, how many have wonderful trees in your yard that have reminded you that pollen does exist? But things are blooming. Things are beautiful. There's new beginnings, amen? So, what's that got to do with the Easter Bunny? Um, how many have ever had rabbits? Case closed. 
you usually end up with way too many of them because they reproduce like crazy. They seem to be very fertile. So they just, they reproduce like crazy. Uh, what's that about Easter eggs? What's so important about an Easter egg? And it's not like a broke egg means the empty tomb. We've gone there, unfortunately. But it's just about fertility. It's about new beginnings, new life. Something has potential. Okay? So that's how Easter gets meshed in with some of those celebrations. But it's never to be, it's never to be meshed in to take a place within that. It's to dynamically take a place above all of that. Because Jesus Christ is risen. It causes us to make, make a lot of different changes in the way we think about things. For instance, <clears throat> several years ago, I'm just setting this up this morning. Several years ago, uh, my wife, Diane, and I were at one of the first churches where I was an associate and had a very large choir, beautiful facilities, and we did Easter cantatas. So my main focus there was Easter and Christmas and a lot of special events and, of course, Sunday mornings. But what I found out when I went to this beautiful church was that on Easter Sunday, they could not wait to have the children parade. What's that? I, and I even asked that, what are, what are we talking about? That's where, because at Easter, every little child got a brand new outfit. All the women got a brand new dress. And a lot of ladies still then wore a big hat. It was like a showcase. And I don't know that we were there to worship Jesus. We, were, we marched all these poor kids. And I always felt you could tell the kids who didn't have anything new on. Because they would march across the stage and all the little girls would be beautiful. It's like a contest and the little boys would be standing there, you know, <laughs> whatever. Just hurry up and get me off this stage. Now, so it was a little awkward, but the, the good thing is with all the hats in the sanctuary, you couldn't see anything anyway. Now, I'm saying that because we have throughout history all of our little traditions that get stuck into what we do and why we do things at Easter. But I'm here to remind you that with all those little traditions, they really can mean nothing except to remind you that he is risen. Now, why is that important? Why is that important to us? The Bible tells us that that is our hope. That's our hope. Now, I'm, 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 I asked my wife to pray for me this morning, not for a, a special anointing. I pray that I'm always working in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, but I asked her to pray for me to be able to keep it under 45 minutes. So I'm telling you right now, my wife's been praying for me this morning. But I, I just want to touch on a few things this morning because the reality is our hope is not where it needs to be. That's why there's so much anxiety. That's why there's so much fear. That's why there's so much tension. You know, we watch the news. We watch the media. You know, we're always following, you know, where's, where's the virus now? Where's the vaccine now? Everything has us so distracted. From hope that we we think there is no hope but I want you to listen to what the Word of God says <clears throat> Paul tells us very clearly in 1st Peter 1 5 or 1st Peter 1 3 blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to his great mercy he has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ and from the dead now, why is that important? Because I don't think we're, we're much different than the New Testament disciples. You see, on that, on that first resurrection morning, and again, Pastor Nick read this, they ran to the tomb. The tomb had already, the stone had been rolled away. They go into this empty tomb. They're astonished. They're blown away. An angel is sitting there and tells them, what are you looking for? Because what you're always looking for is not here. What you're always thinking you're going to find, Jesus always, as we talked about last week, does things a little bit differently. He's not here. He's risen. And then you find yourself, the word tells us that they leave fearfully, paralyzed by astonishment, with fear. And they tell no one. Now we know that goes on to change, but here's what I think that means initially. 
You mean he's done what? He really has resurrected? And here's the question for us. Just like for them, what do we do now? If he's really resurrected, what does my life look like right now? If he really is risen, what does that really mean for me now? Now, if you're like I think we are, we, we'll sit here and we'll agree, yes, he needs to be a right now God for me. But your mind's already on tomorrow, you've got to be at work. Your mind's already on next week, things aren't worked out like you thought they had. You've got plans for June and you don't know what COVID's going to do. And, and you've got plans for vacation that may or may not get uh, put into place. Or maybe you're like us and you've changed your vacation plans like four times. Um, or it's relationships haven't turned out the way you thought. I mean, the list is long, right? But it, it all boils down to, okay, there's a crucifixion and there's a resurrection. We believe he's risen, but now what? What does that mean for me in 2021? Because, Pastor, I've got, I've got stuff going on in my life. So I appreciate you preaching, but I got issues. I got real-life stuff in my life. I've got cancer. I just lost a loved one. That's real life stuff. My wife and I sat and watched a memorial service for a very good friend of mine. He um, actually was my keyboard player for many years before he became the minister of music at the church that I left. And he had been there for 30 years, 52 years old, came down sick, died of COVID last week. And I'm telling you, it crushed us like it has many of you who have lost family or friends. So what does that mean now, Pastor? What, is that, what does that mean for me right now? I appreciate what you're saying. Well, let's look at this for a moment. I want to go to Romans chapter 8. And I'm going to be there for a few minutes. And I know what time it is. And I don't know what time I started, but can my 45 minutes start now? Just kidding, just kidding. First of all, let me ask you this question. What is hope? <clears throat> what is hope? Because the first point that I want to talk about is the hope that Jesus gives is about the future. It's about the future. But what is hope? I believe hope is, is having confidence in something. It's, it's not faith, because we know that the Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. I believe hope, and we have a lot of ways of describing it, but I really believe hope is having a confidence in something that's going to happen even when you can't see it. It's not, I hope I get toys for Christmas. It's not, I hope I get on the vaccine list. It's, it's not, I hope I don't have to get a shot. Those are just ways we use hope. But the hope I'm talking about this morning is not in your circumstances. The hope I'm talking about is a right now hope, but it's based, the hope that Jesus gives is a future. Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to jump to chapter 20, uh, verse 24 real quick, and then we're going to go back in the chapter. Romans chapter 8, verses 24 and 25 say this. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if he hopes for what he does not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Now what is that saying? Hope can't be seen. I hope things work out. That means you need to see things worked out. And if you see things worked out, you don't hope anymore. But if things haven't worked out yet, your hope has to stay strong. Jesus gives us that hope. And see, if, it, if we're looking for it in the now, if we're looking for it in the right now, I need God to move in the right now. Your hope is going to be feeble. Your hope is going to be weak. If, if I have, to comp have my confidence in God and in circumstances, I need him to move in my circumstances right now. Now, I'm going to get off path here if I'm not careful, so I'm trying to stay on track. But the reality is our hope is in your future. So just think about that for a moment. 
Your hope is not right now. Anything you're hoping for Christ to do is in your future. Can I tell you what we've stopped talking about for a long time in the church? The second coming of Jesus Christ. He's coming again. (laughs) As a matter of fact, because there's a resurrection, let me tell you something. When he said, I'll be back, he really meant it. And if he rose from the dead, he's coming again. And I know for a lot of people, there's a little bit of skepticism there because you've been hearing it your whole life. Listen, the Bible says he's coming like a thief in the night. It's almost like all of us, when we hear of crime, but we start thinking, well, that'll never happen in our neighborhood. Right up until it happens in your neighborhood, right? Then you go out and get all the locks and get all the alarm systems and get all the cameras. Why? Because you start to really believe it could happen to you. The only way I can convince you that, that this hope we're talking about is not just for a right now, it's for a future, It's because Jesus says he's preparing a future for us. And that what he's talking about in this passage is not, and I'm setting this up, it's not simply because he just wants to bolster our faith. If you read the rest of Romans leading up to chapter 8, it's all about the fact that living by the law or living by your standards or living by the way you think you're saved does not work. It's only through Jesus Christ. So he says here, don't have confidence in yourself and what you can do, but the hope for what you do not see, wait for it patiently. How many are patient this morning? Wait for it with perseverance. How many have perseverance for what God is going to do, but you just don't see it yet? Pretty tough. But faith is the foundation of hope. Faith allows hope to grow, but then hope invigorates faith. In other words, they, they, work, they work for and in each other. It builds my faith. It builds my confidence because my hope is in him. It builds my faith. It builds my confidence because my hope is in him. It builds my faith and it builds my confidence because my hope is in him. Because if I'm not careful, I look at my circumstances and I allow myself to believe that that's what it's going to be. I look at my circumstances. I look at my life. I look at my brokenness. That's why I love the song we sang a moment ago. Um, I can come to him transparent. He knows anyway, by the way. I can be vulnerable. I can come to him. He's not going to kick me out. I can be real. I can be weak. Isn't the hardest thing for us to admit is that we can't? I'm too too weak. I can't do it. No, because it's driven into us, especially in this Western culture, It's driven into us. You can be anything you want to be. Well, I can be driven into you, but how how many realize at some point it doesn't work out exactly like you thought? Okay. Why? Because here's what I do believe. You can be anything he's called you to believe. You can be anything he's calling you to be. But we, we need to be able to come to him. But it's with confidence. Not in ourselves, in him. So we, we, we experience this hope that Jesus gives because it's got a future. But then the hope that Jesus gives is received, not created. What is this saying? In Romans chapter 8, verses 8. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But spirit is life because of righteousness. Now, listen, if you have to go back and read a lot of Romans to catch up to this, but here's what he's saying. When you are in Christ, you don't belong to yourself anymore. When your life is filled with the Spirit of God, there's still a battle. Come on, I need all the men to say amen. There, there's still a battle in play. There's still a battle that we fight with, but, but that... That spirit, man, the Holy Spirit that's in you. Everybody know what I'm talking about when I says he taps you on the shoulder? He has a way of whispering in your ear. That's just not a guilty conscience. That's the Holy Spirit saying, listen, um, I, I, I put my seal on you, man. It's like when I was a child or teenager especially, and I would go places. My dad would pull me aside before I left anywhere. And he said, listen, don't forget you're a McLeod. 
And for a while, I was like, doesn't he know I know that? I mean, I'm pretty sure I've been that my whole life. But here's, here's what he was saying. Don't make me come pick you up somewhere. Because then they'll find out I'm a McLeod. So don't mess the name up. Don't mess up the name. Because it's a name that when people say it, I want them to have respect for it. Not what you did. You see, the beautiful thing about God is, when he says, I put my seal on you, he's, he's not doing that to beat you down. He's putting his seal on you so you can be identifiable. So you can be used of God in powerful ways. So you can be confident in the fact that he has you in the palm of his hand. That you can be confident that what he's doing is not a work of your flesh, but it's a work of his spirit. I I just want to throw this out there before we move on. I think a lot of us on this Easter Sunday need to embrace the fact that you're really saved. Stop beating yourself up. Over, am I saved? Am I not saved? Well, you're not going to save yourself at all. It's only going to be through what Christ has done. But when he has proven that he has arisen from the grave, then what that means is, Paul is saying, is you can trust the fact that if you are in him, you're saved. You're saved. Don't walk around in guilt. Don't walk around in shame. But he also says here, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit that dwells in you. What is he saying? He's saying that even in this life, right now, you have power. Even in this life, right now. Now listen, I'm not talking about following the rules. Okay? But what I am talking about is when you're tempted this week, It didn't have to get quiet. Let me just talk to the people watching. When you're tempted this week, because by the way, you will be tempted. How you feel about someone, how you feel about things you shouldn't feel about, how you think about things you shouldn't think about, what you do in those moments, how you obviously think I shouldn't go there, but you go there anyway. Well, pastor, I'm addicted. Okay. I mean, I I get it. I mean, there's a ton of of issues out there. But what he's saying is, you'll never be able to convince anyone that the Holy Spirit doesn't love you enough that he's right there with you trying to say, come on, man. Come on, John. Don't don't go there, man. Don't, Don't feel like that, man. Watch your mouth, John. Now, listen, if he's telling me to watch my mouth, I know what he's telling someone. I know what he's telling. I'm just kidding. I know that God is speaking to all of us. Can I get an amen? You, to some of you who, and, and I know especially there's a lot of you in here that really what it, what it boils down is to an attitude about a person at work. But it's like you can't function because that one person is all you can think about. And hate has filled your life. And hate has poured you, pulled you down. And now it's turned into pride or turns into anger. And now you're just a bitter person trying to get through the day. All because you just don't listen to the Spirit. You just decide, I, don't, I want to do it my way. And what he's saying is, when you start accepting what Christ has done for you, when you start really accepting the resurrection power and the hope that comes through Jesus Christ, see, a lot of us, again, I'm not, I'm not speaking this in anyone, but I'm telling you, we're coming out of an episode in our history, the worst episode that anyone in this room has ever walked through in their personal history with COVID and everything we've walked through. Some blessed, maybe some having just sort of hanging on by the skin of your teeth, but the reality is all of us are hoping for a better future. But if you're not careful, you'll put your hope in the wrong things, and you'll just be a better person or bitter person in the future. And see, the thing that you need to be careful of, and I'm just being brutally honest, in six months, in ten months, you can go to church every Sunday and still be bitter. Because you're trying to do something. You're trying to make something happen. And you just want, why, why am I not growing? Because you're not obeying the Spirit. Why, why am I not sensing any joy in my life? I know what I'm talking about. 
Why am I not experiencing any happiness and joy in my life? Because if you want to leave, if you want to live your life, not really believing, maybe verbally, but in your heart, you're just trying to do it on your own in the flesh. You're just going to be miserable. And I'm not encouraging that. I'm not speaking that. I'm just saying that's the fruit of that. That's the only fruit you get out of the flesh. But you will reap what you sow. And so he tells us, he goes on in the same passage. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. We are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put death, the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage, listen to this, again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And the Spirit bells witness of this, that the Spirit, we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Our daughter, Adrian, and her husband, Brian, over the last year and a half, have been taking care of a little girl. Um, they, they brought in this young little girl when, I think maybe she was six months old. And the, the humorous thing is, my daughter and her husband, he has no hair now, but um, blonde hair, blue eyes, um, all, all of our grandchildren have blue eyes, so they had gone through the adoption process in the Baltimore City area, wanting to just help out any family, anybody that was struggling and there was a need for adoption or hosting a child. And so this lady shows up with this little blonde-haired, blue-eyed infant. And they were like, oh, okay, well, okay, we'll take her. And nobody's, nobody's even questioned if it's theirs because it looks just like it, it's a part of the family. But here's what I've noticed about this little girl now. They've had her a year and a half. And when we go visit, I'm Poppy, Diane's Bella. She's learning how to talk now. She's putting sentences together. It's incredible. But you know what she's never asked? She's never asked one time, do I belong here? I've never heard her say one time, when am I going back to the old self? I've never heard her say one time, you're not my mommy. You're not my daddy. Now, don't get me wrong. She's two. And all that comes with, can I get an amen? (laughs) She knows how to play people. So she still needs to be saved. I'll say that. (laughs) But here's here's what I've discovered. When, When your parents treat you like a child, you don't have any doubt you're a child. When he just tells us, that the work of the Holy Spirit that is at work in your life, you need to start realizing you've been adopted into God's family. He is Abba Father, Daddy. And when you have been adopted into the family, you don't have to walk around, man, am I still in the family? Am I still, am I still in or, or you know, have I done something so bad that I'm not in? And do, I, do I get to earn my way back into the family or am I really a part of the family? Am I making sense? See, through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, he says, you have become sons and daughters. You are sons and daughters. I'm just trying to encourage somebody who's like on the fringe, feeling like they're on the outside looking in, feeling like they really don't fit in. Well, pastor, you don't know my lifestyle. But here, now here's the bad news. He does. None of us need to. He does. But the good news is he loves you. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. And as we sang this morning, he turns all the disastrous places in your life, he turns graves into gardens. He turns disasters into new beginnings. He turns ways that you can't possibly see a way out into a way out. Now, the third thing, very quickly, is this. The hope that Jesus gives contradicts the world's hope. I don't know if I need to stay here that long. But what the world says is hope is not hope. Now, I know we live in the world, but listen to what he says in verse 18. 
For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Can, can we just read that together? <clears throat> Even if you're streaming, read that with us together. For I consider, read it, I want to hear you. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. <laughs> well, pastor, I was hoping that when I gave my life to Jesus, there would be no more suffering in this present time. No, let us read that one more time. Ready? Oh, I was hoping that if I really prayed a lot, you ever hear this? If I really prayed a lot, I would have no more struggles in this present time. Now see, this is difficult to hear if you're going through a struggle. That's why it's got to be grace and mercy that you're experiencing this morning. Because it's not about condemning. Because I, I know full well some of you are facing some very, you're in the middle of some very difficult circumstances. You're in the middle of some very difficult times in your life. You're in the middle of some very difficult pain, suffering. But see, here's the hope in that. Not, I can't wait for this to be over. No, it's what God is preparing you for. It's unimaginable. It, it doesn't even compare with how you're suffering right now. If you can only imagine. I mentioned uh, our friend who passed away this last week. We were watching the celebration of his life online yesterday. <laughs> and he was, he was a character. His name was Ty Parker. <laughs> and um, they said that he was about ready to go home from the hospital because his wife had even posted on Facebook last week, thank you for all your prayers. Ty's going home. And as he was preparing to go home, they had him on blood thinners, and he just had a coughing fit and had an aneurysm and died. And... Only Ty's humor. You have to know Ty's humor to really appreciate this. But when they said that she texted he was going home, he really did. And, and of course, you're sitting watching a funeral. I'm swallowing because I'm just missing Ty. But what they're saying is, listen, don't get bent out of shape about stuff here. Because what God has planned for you you won't even remember here. And see, here's our problem. Can I just, can I just say this? It doesn't matter because I'm getting ready to say it. Some of us are so hooked up on right here, we don't think there's a there. That's why there's so much depression. That's why there's so much anxiety. That's why there's so much fear. That's why you can watch the politics and get bent out of shape. Your president didn't get elected. Well, if your president was, it wouldn't have been going well anyway. Because it's not going well with whoever's in the office. And we need to pray for our leaders, but if your hope is in the government, it's in the wrong government. If your hope is in your finances. Listen, I know how we are as humans. If God miraculously gave you a job making $100,000 next year, you would be $110,000 in debt. And then your prayer life would be, Lord, I need to make $150,000, Lord. Let's just prove them wrong. Let's just, Lord, I'm going to give a check for $100,000 by faith, and if you'll just triple that, I mean, you know. no. Here's what that means. We, we're, we preach this prosperity because if we're doing well right now, there's no suffering in this present time, and that's not what the Word of God says. You're a child of God if you have $100,000 or no you're a child of God if things are going well now but if things aren't going well now it rains on the just and the unjust you're, you're a child of God and he's doing something in your life the Holy Spirit is doing something in your life whether it feels good right now because we all love praising God on the mountaintop right we all love enjoying the power and the presence of God when everybody's healthy when everything's going good and have you noticed that you never really learn anything while things are going good? Have you noticed that you never really grow while things are going good? 
But you let, you let us get into a valley. You let us get into some low country where there's some soil, where there's some places to get beat up, where there's some places to get run over. Two people appreciate getting in the valley. And see, we, we spend a lot of time trying to pray ourselves out of valley, valleys when God's trying to get us to plant for a little while and grow. I'm not wishing suffering on anybody. I'm not wishing suffering on anybody. What I'm telling you is I'm praying for growth in everybody. And here's how you're going to grow. Tough times. You're going to grow through difficult times. And I know sometimes the miracle we pray is, Lord, let me learn through good times. Um, uh, several of you in here um, teaching um, high school, junior high, uh, several in higher education. <clears throat> I've never talked to a student yet who was like making straight A's and just making sure that, you know, they just did everything you could. Because if they were going to work at it, they're working at it. But I've met a lot of students who are just turning in C's and B's and complaining about not getting A's. And I'm like, well, you, you know, you got to get in that book. Here's what I'm looking for. And if you'll do this, this. But I, I've already got a lot of reading. And then they tell, they tell me the worst thing you could tell any teacher. I've got other classes that I can't be late on. I'm like, I can be late on this one because it's only you. And I tell them, don't ever say that to a teacher. <laughs> and it's amazing how much they learn after they get that first grade because it's not an A. And it causes them pain because, are you ready? When you've been told your whole life how perfect you are, and then somebody rolls along and shows you that you're not, it bruises our ego. And it's, it's a hard thing to do when God's trying to say, let me do a work in you, but you still think it's all about you. Now, I'm on a rabbit trail. It is Easter, so I could get on a rabbit trail. Okay, that was, that was really bad. Here's, here's my point. The, the thing that God is doing in your life is probably going to be painful. Because it's usually going to be something you don't want to give up. It's going to be something that's got a hold of you. And even when you embrace the fact that you need to let it go, it might not want to let you go. And it, it, that addiction wants to hold on to you. And that, that lifestyle, that mindset that's been put in you since you were a child. Well, that, that's how I've always thought, Pastor. That's how I was raised. I, I was raised to hate, or I was raised to think this way. That's why you're making it too simple. Because when Paul says there needs to be a, a transformation, a renewing of the mind, it, it insults people all the time when they read the Word of God and God says, I want to change your thinking. Because it's insulting for you to even make the statement to other people that how you were taught is the right way. We all have messed up backgrounds. I said we all have messed up backgrounds. We're all messed up in this place. Everybody's got something in their past. Everybody's got something in, in their family dynamics, in their home, and I'm not trying to make you feel bad about mom or dad or your sisters. I'm just telling you, everybody's messed up. That's why we need Jesus. Because you can't fix yourself or you would have. That's why we need Jesus. Because as the Holy Spirit is in him, he's not, he's not just working against you. That's why we have to surrender to him. We, we don't own ourselves. We belong to him now. And he's doing a work in us. And if you follow the leading of his Holy Spirit, you're going to be amazed at what he continues to do in you. Uh, very quickly. Number four. And I could stay on number three really the rest of the day. <clears throat> the hope that Jesus gives requires us to need him, to need help. 
to need something. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what, it should, what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. I just want to encourage you, when you don't know how to pray, he does. The Holy Spirit is just always searching your heart and mind. He knows what needs to change. He knows what needs to happen. He knows what you've been walking through. He knows if you've been rebellious. He knows, you know, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, <clears throat> but Diane and I have been working through a, a study. <clears throat> we're not doing the exact same study with the marriage group that we're going to be doing, but we're, we're sort of meshing that in. But to be honest with you, the first couple of weeks, it messed me up. I'm not, I'm not I, you know, Pastor Nick can tell you because I would sit down and vent to him because it would just mess you up. Because he made you look back over your life, and I mean, you even get to the point where you're like, wow, I didn't know I was so bad. I thought I was a pretty good guy and everything, but obviously, I'm the world's worst person, right? But here's what, it, here's what it's about. If you're not willing to really embrace where you are and the fact that you really can't help yourself, you're in trouble. If you're not willing to ask for help, if, if you're so confident in yourself, I know some people, and it's tragic. They always say, you know, a person's going to have to hit rock bottom before they're going to be willing to get help. That's true. I've hardly ever met someone who's saying, you know, before I hit rock bottom, I just want to surrender everything to Jesus Christ. Why? Because there's still that confidence in the flesh. You know, I agree with what he's saying. It's just not me. But here's, here's the reality. I've met a lot of people who have hit rock bottom, and they're different people. They act differently. They walk differently. They talk differently. And the flesh still rises up. My wife, Diane, I'm always got a very positive attitude. So even yesterday, as we were going, to, going out with some friends, um, I was just venting about something. Okay, I was complaining. And she said, well, um, you know, if you just had a different point of view. And I'm like, you know what? I just, need to, I just need to be upset about this for a minute. If you can just please let me be wrong for 20 more seconds before you get all positive on me. But see, here's, here's the bottom line. As I sat there mad at her for 20 seconds, I just realized, Lord, continue to do a work in me. Continue to, it's not about making us so spiritually zombied that nothing impacts us. Is that when we do get hit by the world and we do walk through struggles, we have influence even in the midst of it. And, and our life has been changed because God's doing a work in us. Listen to what this last part says, and we're going to close. He simply says this, and we know that all things work together for the good. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many. Moreover, whom he predestined, he also called. He called these. He also justified. And when he justified, he also glorified. <laughs> Here's the thing that's happening in your life. Through all the struggles, through all the stress, and this is the hope, you're being changed. One day at a time, you're just getting better. Just look at somebody and say, you're getting better. It doesn't always show. Don't stop now. But you're getting better. Because why? The fifth thing, and I'm closing. The hope that Jesus gives can bring change now. What then shall we say? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who died, or he do not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? If you're a child of God, if you are a sinner saved by grace, if you have surrendered your life to him, who can mess with you? That's what he's saying. 
If you surrender your life to Christ, what's cancer going to do to you? What's COVID going to do to you? Well, pastor, you know, you're, you said you just lost your good friend. And to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You see, we've got to get our eyes off of this life to know that there's another life that will make you more prepared to live in this life. You know, there's something about being ready to die that really prepares you to live. When you know that you are ready to die, now you can live differently. You'll treat people differently. You'll treat people, and, and it won't be about just how much money I can make so I can die and leave. It won't be about how I, I'm going to get my way while I'm here because life is short. No, life is eternal. You're going to spend it somewhere. This life here, James says, and I'm paraphrasing, is a blip on the screen. It's a vapor. Now, we can't get our heads around that because some of the days just drag on. This last year was the longest year of your life. But really, it's, it's been the most powerful year of your life. He's got, because God has been able to slow some of you down just long enough for you to realize he's trying to do a work in you. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who shall condemn us? It is Christ who died, and furthermore, all is risen. Who is even at the right hand of God and who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, you know, by the way, I just want to reiterate this. You're going to have this. This isn't pretend. This isn't a fairy tale. You're going to have tribulation. There's going to be times in your life where you'll be distressed. There's going to be times in your life you'll face persecution or famine or nakedness or perilous sword. As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded. I am confident. My hope is in. I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now see, here, here's how I want us to close. I want, I want us to pray in just a moment. Because I know how we are. We put our hope in things and we live in fear. We put our hope in circumstances and we live riddled and filled with anxiety. Coming out of COVID, the greatest need coming out of COVID is not finances. You know, we're always going to be trillions of dollars in debt. And I'm not standing on a political soapbox when when we talk about, it's not about not wanting to meet people's needs. It's our country is messed up. We need God. There used to be a phrase called common sense. But common sense meant that there had to be a common agreement on what sense was. When everybody has their own definition of sense, there's just no sense. And everything becomes nonsense. So what are we gonna what do we do with this? It's not about protesting something. It really is about no matter what we go through, are we gonna be children of God or running for ourselves? Am I gonna be a man that depends on the resurrection power of Jesus Christ no matter what I'm going through? Because I know that some of you have been again, through very difficult circumstances. But as we pray this morning, what is it that God needs to touch you in? What is that circumstance that might be holding you back, that's been causing you anxiety and fear? I'm, I'm fully convinced, and I'm not, please, I'm not a, a licensed um, psychologist or counselor, but I know full well that so many people I talk to who are battling depression it's not the chemical imbalance that they're wrestling with. It's so much fear and anxiety about a future that they want to experience here that this world will never give them. 
So they can't see hope right now. They can't see a future right now. So their lives are just constant turmoil. But I promise you there's a hope that only Jesus Christ can give. So whatever it is you are facing this morning, if you just please stand. I'm going to pray with you, and I just want you to surrender that to him. Maybe if you're even watching online, just go to our, go to our site and just, and just contact us. Tell us what those issues are in your life that you need help with. Even at the end of our service in a few moments when we dismiss, you might want to come forward for prayer, but I just want you, as the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now, I believe all of us already know those two or three areas that God may be speaking to you about. That he's just saying, trust me. Put your hope in me. I know things aren't working out the way you think, but you don't understand what I'm working out. What is it? Let's pray. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, first we thank you for a risen Savior. And Lord, even today, as we talk about this hope that Jesus gives us, we know it's a hope for the future. We know, God, that it's a hope that this world cannot understand we know that it's a hope that we have to receive. And Lord, we, we all must confess that there are times when we are constantly taking control of our lives and then losing control of our lives. Lord, we surrender to you right now. Because Lord, when it's all said and done, whether it's coming out of COVID, our relational issues, or, or our finances, Lord, the, the needs go on and on. But that's what overwhelms us is we fail to see your everlasting love and mercy that can turn things around and turns our futures around and turns our lives around when we put our hope in you. Now, Father, today I pray that you just begin to minister to individuals, Lord. Lord, even as we continue to pray, as, as we worship with this last song, I pray, God, that you would speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I search the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never Show you. 
to sing this next part, y'all, and don't be shy. I've seen some of you outside of church. Let's let them hear us outside. He turns mourning into dancing. Let's go. You turn mourning to dancing. Does anybody believe that this morning? You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. church. Father, we praise you this morning because you are the only one who can give us the hope that we need. We won't find it in this world, but Father, we can find it in you and you can change us now, Father. We praise you, Father. You are the risen Savior and you are turning our graves into gardens this morning. Amen. Thank you, Father. Church, thank you for being here. We're so glad you're here. I've got two quick things before I dismiss you. The first one is that if you have a child who is upstairs or you have a child you didn't bring with you between first and fifth grade, Leteric is doing a great job. If you can just put that kid's slide, oh, it's already up there for me. Uh, if you have a child, they're starting a Zoom uh, meeting for the kids on Wednesdays at 6.30 on Zoom. It starts April 21st. If you take out your phone and scan that or just check out that bulletin board right outside the sanctuary, you can join the group for the parents and you can get the information to get your kids plugged in. We want to reach every generation, and that includes your kids. And the final thing is next week we're starting a brand new sermon series called Intersections. It's about how the Lord intersects people's life, and we're going to look at the different stories of how Jesus intersected in people's lives and how he intersects in your life and brings about change and hope and transformation. Church, we love you. We will see you next week at 10 o'clock, same time, same place. We'll see you then. Have a great day. Happy Easter. This podcast is a member of the Grace River Podcast Network. To listen to more of the podcasts in our network, head over to graceriverva.com slash media. We would love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our weekend worship experience. Our campus is located at 5045 Indian River Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or you can find us online at graceriverva.com. Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives.